welcome to the house of the Lord today. Um, we are actually proceeding on our new series called All Things. And for you that do not know me, my name is Pastor Mona Stephen, and you are actually at Living Hope Church of God. We are here. We have people in the house with us today, so I want to welcome you here today. And I want to welcome those that are online. I, my prayer is that you would be blessed by the Word of God today. He has something to show us, something to reveal to us. The question is, did you come anticipating? Did you come knowing? Knowing that he wanted to speak to you. Is that a yes? Amen. Amen. And so if you are online, just because you're not in present in this body with us, know this, God goes wherever he wants to go because he's king. Amen. And he wants to touch you right where you are this day. And so today we're finishing off, not finishing off, we're starting the series All Things. We did part one last week. And I started off with this comment. I said that we all deal with life's pressures. Is that right? We all deal with life's pressures, but we don't all walk well under them. And that was the question. So I said, and I asked you a question last week. What if I told you that every born-again believer, every born-again Christian, uh, is, has received all things to, love, uh, to live under the pressures of life with certainty, with power, and purpose? But in order for us to move beyond the grind of the everyday stressors and the tension and the trials, we will need to be convinced what all things mean. What does it mean? Now, I know that we gave, I gave you Romans 8 last week, and if you haven't, so I'm just going to give you a little, a little nugget of last week so we can go on and do the second part this week. And we did it through Romans 8, 30, 31, 32, where it says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give all things? God has graciously given us all things because his love is for us. It's not, he's not against us. He is for us. So it's not based on our love because our love wanes. We can get up one day and be so self-focused that we don't even think about God. No, no, no. It wanes. We have a hard time staying in the love of God. That means staying faithful to the truth and believing what God is saying over us. We have a hard time. So it can't be based on our love. It's really based on God's constant, unconditional love. Now, if you were to Google God's unconditional love, this is the term you get. It says it, is, it indicates God's love for a person irrespective of that person's love for God. How many times that we think just because we blow it that God doesn't love us anymore? We do it all the time, beloved. How many times that we know that we fail and we drop the ball, we think that God has turned away and shunned and gives us silence because he's angry at us. He can't because he, I know he loves us according to this scripture. See, all things are not given to us only if we're walking well. All things are not given to us because we have no weaknesses or no struggles because then that would be such a high measurement. We would never be able to actually live under the pressures and the weight of every day. 
So not all things are given to us because everything is right. I mean, everybody thinks that we have to have to have we have to be on 24/7 or else God doesn't love us. You see, these belief systems, beloved, has weighed so heavily on God's people that they don't believe that God has given to them already all things. And so we need to understand that to God, you and I are priceless. We're priceless in his eyes. There is no part of you or your story that disqualifies you from the promises that if God is for you, then nothing could separate you from his love. Nothing. Love is not something that God chooses to to do or to give. It is the very essence of who he is. God is love. He mo- he's motivated. Love motivates all of his action. It motivates the direction of his activity. It reflects his desire. Our love, Mother Teresa says this, intense love does not measure. It just gives. See, God intensely, intensely loves me and you. He just gives. God's unconditional love never fails. It endures forever and is not motivated for personal gain. Yet, Unconditional love does not mean that God loves everything we do. There are certain things we shouldn't be doing, and God won't love those things, but he loves you. You know when I say, you know, failure is an event, but you are not a failure. There's a distinction. God might not love what you're doing, but he will always love you. And that is important that we need to understand this because then we won't believe that he can give us all provision, that he's all good and all-knowing. We will actually walk in fear instead of actually walking as a people of God who have all things. His love is so intense that he loves every sinner, no matter how bad and ugly humanity has become. And we know humanity has become pretty bad. But God says in Romans, 8, uh, Romans 5, 8, he says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If he did that before the cross, would you not think he would not do it after the cross? Huh? Oh, my goodness. You know, when Jesus said it is finished, I mean, he finished it. He did everything that God wanted him to do so that you and I could have relationship with him. No matter how far we've gone as his children, he loves us so much that he provides a way for us to find love, to find life, to find holiness through Christ. Romans 8, 26a says this, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Are you weak this morning? Are you struggling this morning? Well, I want you to understand that God has given you everything you need to navigate that weakness, that struggle. You are not alone. You have not been abandoned. Now, unfortunately, both pride and shame causes us to focus on what we think we deserve. And what happens is we build a system that we think that God is not hearing us. Or that we actually, we have to earn something from God. We have to do something to earn this love from God. See, the freedom of humility is realizing what we don't deserve and can't earn, but are already given. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it, but it's still given to us because of Jesus. Romans 7.25 says this, Thanks be to God who delivers me and you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who would have thought that deliverance comes because we're believing in something bigger than ourselves? 
If we were to do the anonymous assessment today of our lives, it would reveal that we have embraced the lies of the enemy when it comes to God in regards to this love and provision and nurture, or the lies that we have about ourselves that we can never measure up to God and that we, we're never good enough for God, or the, or the lies that we've embraced according to our circumstances. Oh, nothing's ever going to change. Everything is hopeless. These lies, you know, I believe we need to be exposed. This is what God has been doing for us. Now, how else could we explain, okay, if it's not about these lies that we've embraced and walking in unbelief, how else could we explain so many of God's children crippled by the pressures of life, paralyzed by their past, and entangled and captured by other things other than God? How else do we, can we explain that away? Because I've just told you, because of God's love, there is no way that he would not give us all things. He says, I've given you graciously all things that you will need. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. What? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery, meaning going back to the law, going back to your measurement, going back to the lies. He says, stop being enslaved to that. God has not abandoned us, but in order for us to access all these things that he talks about in Romans 2 and what we're about to talk about, 2 Peter, we need to go back and see what we've missed. God gives everything we need for every condition, for every situation, for every trial, for every circumstances. The question is, do you believe it? Are you convinced? Are you fully persuaded? But we have to let go first of our own meager resources. Oh, my goodness. We latch on to how we protect ourselves and how we do life because we don't believe that God can give us all things. And so we need to embrace and abandon those things, we need to let go and abandon those things that we use instead of what God has provided for us through his son. Now, 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11, is what we're going to be walking through in the next several months, actually. We're going to break down one verse and one word at a time so that you guys may understand that essentially God has given us every step, every resource that we can tap into life and godliness in a way that we walk in victory. That means when people see me, they see Christ. When I go forward, they'll realize that the rule in my life is God's ways and not my ways. My thoughts are not his his thoughts or my thoughts. And so this verse here in 2 Peter, it provides specific instructions to encourage us on our journey. No matter what you face today, this passage, if you let it, will strip away all of your excuses for your struggle and the feelings of helplessness. Do you feel helpless today? You're just that helplessness that something has captured your heart. God has not captured your heart with truth. There is no joy, no passion, no, no ability to move beyond those pressures at times. Do we, ha- do, we get, do we go there sometimes? We just feel so despondent, so hopeless that we're latching on to these worldly things to give us these all things we're looking for. You and I can have a testimony day and say, hey, let me tell you, when I actually put all of my eggs in this relationship, I figured it out. It wasn't that relationship that can give me everything I needed, but I thought it did. 
We get disappointed. We get bitter. We get, we get fearful. We get a whole bunch of things. So we need to understand that God wants us to walk in victory. So before we go to 2 Peter 1, you need to keep in mind that Peter wrote this letter to believers, all right? He's in prison now, and he's finishing off his days there. He still is advancing the kingdom of God. There is nothing that stopped his effectiveness for God. And he says this in Peter, 2 Peter, Peter 1, 1, those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Their faith was so precious for them, there was no way they were going to give up. What they knew to be true of God, they were never going to give it up. In this letter, Peter is not concerned with winning the lost as much as he is with leading the saved into a deeper, experiential knowledge of God. Peter had everything he needed to maintain his faith despite that he spent his last days in prison awaiting persecution. He said, there's a quote that said about Peter, says, the joy within him was greater than the fear around him. The joy within him was greater than the fear around him. His faith was precious, and because he knew that God graciously gave him all things, even in this prison cell. So let's go to 2 Peter 1. He says this, we have it here if you want to open your Bibles to 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It says, his divine power has given us all things, there's that word, all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been, give, uh, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust as believers god has already provided the resources we need to successfully deal with the pressures of life with confidence and grace so what specifically are those resources he gives us gives us according to this verse it starts with the access of his power. Then it moves on to the resource of his great and precious promises. And then it ends in the partaking of the divine nature. And what that means is that there's a purpose behind it. According to 2 Peter 1.3, he says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. When the power of God is unleashed in your life, it enables you. There is, there is a correlation between his great and precious promises and his purposes when it regards the power. So have you, let me ask you, have you ever experienced a spiritual power outage? That's when there's a crisis that happens, such as sickness or being laid off when you didn't anticipate it or a child in trouble or sick, or the COVID experiences we've had in the last two and a half years, these pressures usually, if we're not, you know, we're not walking well under them, they leave us without strength, joy, and even ability. Do I get an amen? amen. Are you on the same page as me right now? Good, so I don't have to start over. Good, that's good. Peter here is reminding us about God's power. It's his power that enables us to overcome the trials of life, to live the life for which we were created. If that feels big and inspiring, 
Well, it's because it is. God's power resides in us. So why is it that we walk around with our heads down and our our hearts shut down to the very thing that God has given us? Because we don't believe that God has given us all things for life and godliness. And because we don't believe, we will go to the earthly temporal things in order to tap into something that is not there. You see, once you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you confess and you repented, you turned away and you gave your life to God through Christ, then what happens is the power of God Almighty is unleashed in your life. There is an exchange that happens, beloved. This is not just a religious experience. It's a relationship experience. That means God now can relate to me in a way that he couldn't before the cross. I could have gone to church 24-7, but if Jesus is not my Lord and Savior, then I can't connect with Christ, uh, with, with God. God, the only way to get to God is through Jesus. But when I do that, something gets unleashed in my heart. That is why I never stop at my failures. That is why I never build on my problems or my struggles, because I believe God will give me all things because his power resides in me. See, God's power is unlimited. For us, our power gives out. You see, I have a whole lot of endurance. I'm the ever-ready bunny that never stops. But you know what? In my old age, I've come to really consider that I really don't have the energy I did five years ago. So I find myself trying to actually cope with life differently. This is when I realize, oh, actually, I could learn something from this, that finally, that in my weakness, God's power can be made perfect in me. And so for us, we see weakness as negative. We see our struggles as negative. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. I can make my power very strong in the behalf of you if you only look to me. When you look to me, you will see who I am. God's power gets unleashed. So there is a correlation between how we're going to experience that power. Now, Peter here reminds us about that God's power enables us to overcome, but also, too, he points us to his divine power that gives us all things. It comes from God. And here is the incredible truth that should should shake you at your very core. Whenever you are experiencing that you don't feel equipped, to what you're doing. Have you ever gone there? You feel not equipped, not prepared, and not able. Oh, I'm seeing a lot of smiles. Yes, I'm talking to the right people today. We've all been there. But you know, this is what Peter's trying to tell you. God has chosen you to give you access to the greatness of his power. The greatness of his power. The Bible says this in 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. And whatever is yours now, I've become co-heirs because I am in Christ. All of chapter 8, it's about me being in Christ. And because of it, I don't have to be governed by my flesh anymore. I can be governed by the spirit and the power of God. God's power, as I said, is unlimited. And God is asking us now to know that we have all things to do life with. We have all things to do life and godliness. So what's, 
what does it mean, godliness? What does it mean to live a godly life? Now, godliness, this is what it means. Godliness encompasses behavior, uh, words, attitude that reflect what God would do on earth if he were to come down as a person. So if you ever want to know if this, what your attitude is or your response to something or your thought processes or whatever they are, if you want to know if it's godly, you just ask, your, ask yourself, would God do this if he was here as a person? Did Jesus do it? No. It literally, it's literally a matter of Christ living his life through us consistently by means of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's the key. Romans 8 is the key. He tells you the key. You're no longer under the law. You're under grace. You're, under the, you're governed by the Spirit now. If you know he's there, if you know and understand what's happened. So many of us attempt to do this godly life in our own power, and we experience power, power outages. That means we go down for the count. We become shipwrecked in our faith. We have no love for the things of God. We don't want to read our word because we think God is against us. We don't understand how deep and wide his love is. But if you are a follower of God, then you are and will never be powerless. If you are a follower of God, you are and never will be powerless. There is no problem or situation in life which God Almighty, his power that he's given you, will be inadequate. He's always adequate. Could you imagine if every follower of Jesus stopped looking everywhere else for that power and instead focus on what God has already given them? You see, we always go to the go-tos. If I do this, this, and this, then God will love me. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. That work was already finished. All God wants me to do is to be governed by something else in my flesh now. And his ways. And so he says here, it's God's desire that he's given us the power for all things. He says in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. Colossians 1, 11, we're strengthened with all might according to what? According to who I'm married to? According to the church I go to? No, according to his glorious power for all patience, long-suffering with joy. You see, we put, we put a lot of our confidence in things and relationships and so on and so forth. Why is it we don't put our confidence in what Christ has done for us? He's given us access to the greatest power in this world. How is this power un unlocked in our lives? Well, he says it best, it's the same scripture in the New Living. At the end, he says, we have received all this by coming to know him. When Peter talked about knowledge of him who called us, he had three things in mind. One, we must know Jesus personally. Coming to church doesn't make you know Jesus personally. Like me going in into a barn doesn't make me a cow. All right? You have to actually receive the gift of salvation. It is free by faith through Jesus Christ. We need to make it personal. Secondly, because, again, Peter talked about the importance of the knowledge of him who called us, but he said it's, it's different if we know him personally. Secondly, we need to grow in our knowledge of scripture, doctrine, truth, and realities of God. Listen, beloved, just coming to hear me every Sunday will not do it for you. You have to start studying your word. And we're going to see with the rest of this, cha this, chap the, uh, this verse, this section, is that he says you have to be diligent now. 
You want to access the power and unlock and unleash that power in you. Now you need to be diligent in the right things. You have to make efforts in the right things. And thirdly, he says, and we must grow in our knowledge of his patterns for our life. There are patterns, beloved, in how we deal with brokenness or betrayal or pain or bitter. You know, there's patterns that we've developed. Fleshly patterns. When someone offends me, my fleshly pattern before used to be I would hold a grudge. Instant. And then if they didn't do what I thought they needed to do to fix it, then it would go straight to the resentment and I would be bitter. That means I would withhold myself from them. I would make them pay in different ways. But that's not a pattern from God. Do you think I stop being hurt because I'm in Christ? Are you kidding me? I get hurt all the time. But I always go after the pattern that will cause me to unleash the power that's in me. If I don't do it God's way, the power doesn't come out. The grace, the enablement, the the power to do what God is calling me to do, I can't do it. As we come to know Jesus better, growing in his word, growing in prayer, growing in faith, his unlimited power is unlocked, unleashed in us. Now, many of us here today, his people who are called by his name, are so impeded by these patterns. We're impeded. So you walk, but you stumble. You walk and you stumble. You get caught in these pits that God has wanted you to get out. He's given you all that you need, but you don't want to do it his way. Guess what, beloved? God hasn't changed his idea. He didn't pull out the power from you. You have just impeded it. It's you that does it, not God. That's why surrender is so important. That's why repentance is so important. That's why we need to obey. (laughs) Because we want the power to love our husbands and our wives the way we should. We want to pour into our children's children as God has called us to do. We want to be a good co-worker and people of excellence, people of integrity. We cannot do it without the power. Have you ever had a frustrating experience of charging your phone only to realize hours later, like when you get up the next morning, that it wasn't even plugged in? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I, you know, when I get out of bed, it's like I go running, you know. So having a phone that's dead doesn't really work well for me. But, you know, yeah. So, you know, you get mad as much as I do. But all the time, you know, because we consider the time that was wasted, and there is still no power in my phone. In a similar way... If you're not experienced the power of God in your life, check your connections. Check your connections. You might be plugged into the right, uh, you might not be plugged in into the right energy source. Sometimes we're plugged into our relationships, plugged into our husbands and say, if only they can do this, that I will be okay. But really, truly, beloved, we can't. We need to be plugged in to God's source. God's endless energy and his power radiates from his word. So, If you feel overwhelmed today with life and the pressures have come to get you where there's no joy and something has snuffed it out, something is impeding the work of God in you, then spend time with God in prayer. Spend time lifting up these concerns. Spend time immersed in scripture. And God will lift you up in his power. He will sustain you and strengthen you as his promises say. This brings me to the second resource. As we talked about power, that's his first resource, according to 2 Peter. 
Peter goes on to tell us that, that God's power is communicated to us through his promises, which are meant to sustain us. The Lord transmits his power into our lives through the promises because they are incalculable. That means you can't count them. The Bible is virtually a vault full of these precious promises for you. That promises could be in a, in, in a phrase of proclamation. It could be in a phrase of, of prayer. All of them come back because we win when we embrace them, when we know them. They are infallible. God keeps his promise. He has, he's never broken any. They, he keeps them fully, totally, and in detail and forever. He's, his word cannot be broken. That's why his promises are described as exceedingly powerful because they exceed anything that we compare them to in, in this world. It, it, his promises exceed it all. 2 Corinthians says this in for, uh, chapter 120, For every one of God's promises are yes in Christ. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. And finally, for promises, they're always available. No matter how powerful something is, it's worthless if, it's, if it isn't available. Without the endless treasures of God's promises available to us, we have no assurance about anything. No hope, no security, no safety, no encouragement, no comfort. But God has given us his word, his promises, and it provides an endless supply of grace for us every day. Now you understand why the enemy has you so distracted and keeps you out of your word so much, huh? And so we think, oh, it's like a duty. No, we should be delighted that we have the word of God that will connect us to his power, connect us to what he's trying to do. You are the recipient of these precious promises because of Jesus. They will equip you and prepare you for life's pressures because many are coming. And then it leaves us with the last thing, the purpose. The more you learn on the, uh, you learn on the power, uh, the things on the power of God and the promises of God through your life, the more you become like him in all the areas of your life. You see, that's the purpose behind his power and his promises is that I reflect him more. Let's, let's follow Peter's logic here in the last resource. God has a purpose for you to partake in his divine nature. 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4, he says this, His divine power has given us, I'm going to repeat it, everything we need for godly life, that through them you may participate in a, a divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Simply put, the goal is this, more like Jesus, less like the world. That's why Blackaby said, you can't stay where you are and think you're going forward with God. There has to be change in our life. And this is what he says in Romans, and I'm finishing with this, Romans 8, 29. It says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. When we spend time with God through Jesus Christ, drawing from his power, living by his promises, he fulfills his purpose in us bit by bit, making us more and more like the one we've just proclaimed today through worship. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Have you experienced a spiritual power outage because something is impeding God's power? If you are a child of God, if you have turned away from your sin and walked 
into God's grace through his son, then you were given essentially this greatness of power. See, that's why when I minister to those in addiction, I'm firmly persuaded that I know that God could break this behavior in them. Yes. I'm firmly persuaded when I do counseling with people and they say, I don't see how I'm going to ever break from this, I have to bring them back to all things. God has given you all things, even in this darkness, even in this struggle, even in this depression, even in this fear. He's given you what you need because the greatness of his power is within us. Next week, we will continue Second Peter, and we're going to be talking about the heart of diligence. Many of us are diligent in our self-life, but not diligent in God. And it's going to come a time if we want to unleash the power so that we can actually become all that we should for the days to come. We need to actually embrace what he has for us. Dr. Jeremiah says this, Once you mastered these precious verses of the Bible, 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11, or rather, once they master you, you'll realize you have been given all things. You see, the Bible has not mastered us. Our self-focused and self-centered living has, is the main focus. And we wonder why we have no power or enablement to move or even speak life to the ones that we love. Beloved, God's already given you everything you need. You've got to let go of the meager resources you've been going on to, and you've got to abandon those things and say, God, you've already given me everything, but now I need to be diligent in something new. Amen? I really felt today that I wanted to finish it off with another worship, a direct worship, because, you know, unless I put God back on his throne in my heart, then I keep on struggling. So if you're struggling today with a powder outage, if something is impeding God's ability to bring you forward, if you've listened to something you shouldn't have listened to, if someone has been speaking into your life and that has robbed you of God's joy, then the only way that I know how to remove this is I embrace God again. And worship is a great way to break things that have destroyed us in many ways, beloved. So would you worship with me this morning? For those online, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to pray that God will show you that he has given you all things and you do have his greatness in you. And so don't lose hope. You are not helpless. God is with you. And for us here in-house, let's stand and let's consider what he's given us. Amen.